hello, all you beautiful people. Welcome to the Dear Apparition podcast. I am one of your hosts, Steve, and with me is uh, Hunter and Rue. Uh, we talk about deer hunter stuff. Right, guys? That is correct. 100%. All the deer hunter stuff, absolutely. That was, That's quite an... Quite an energetic intro. I feel like I'm about to like box Rue. I feel like you're like announcing our prize fight. <laughs> so this is our this is our pilot episode. Uh, we're just going to be here talking about um, we're going to be talking about just you know how we feel about the deer hunter, our thoughts on doing this podcast, and uh, probably none of you are going to hear this. But in the case you do, uh, welcome. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, leave any comments or anything in the, in the description of the video, and we will we'll be glad to uh, go over and interact with all you uh, beautiful beautiful people. Um, don't forget to, uh, subscribe to us on, uh, YouTube and Facebook. Don't forget to, uh, join our Facebook group, the meaning of, and all things regarding the deer hunter. And, uh, I guess with that, let's kick it off. How are you guys? Doing good in lovely, sunny Britain. Is it actually sunny? Be uh, honest. It, it is not. No, it's <laughs> quite cloudy and quite moody at the moment. Oh shit, son. Yeah, the way I've heard it, I don't think I don't think England's ever seen sunshine in its entire existence. Like I usually just hear that's always overcast perpetually. Yeah, it's it kind of switches between extremes. It's either really, really just horrible, like just no sun whatsoever, clouds and and rain, or it's just too hot to go outside. That there, there, there's no in between really. Jesus Christ. What about you, Hunter? How are you going in the uh, luxurious state of Ohio? Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, I got got all the corn I could ever want. Um, and if you love cows, this is the place for you. So it's going well. Jeez. All right. Well, uh, so Hunter and Rue, what do you guys do for this uh, for this group? What's your involvement with the deer hunter? And how have they kind of, I guess, affected you? Well, let's start with simple. Where, what do you guys do in the group? Uh, Hunter. Uh, I, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose I'll start there. Uh, I I just click a button and and make make a group happen, and then people come and talk about things more interestingly than I ever could. So I, I usually just sit back and make sure everything runs smoothly, and occasionally make announcements and kind of keep up to date. I, I'm I'm usually like I have spider webs going out like all corners of the internet, just keeping an eye on all things the deer hunter. So that way, anytime there's a nibble, I can just drop it in the group, bring it to like a central place. That's that's really the extent Jeez. of my involvement. I just make sure people stay up to date and don't uh, argue with each other and stuff like that. Don't argue with each other, man. They, I'm sure they love. Uh, Rue, I know your involvement is. They love me. <laughs> oh yeah, I've gotten many a good comment, on Steve. Definitely. And uh, Rue, what about you? The, the your meme, fellow mod. the meme himself. The man himself, yes. So I, I am a mod. I pretty much, uh, I do the heavy lifting when all you Americans are asleep. Uh, I I, I uh, make sure nothing explodes or goes wrong during those sleeping hours. Uh, I, I just let people in the group, or if they don't answer the questions, I maybe sometimes still let them in the group. But usually, if they don't, I don't let them in. In the Just, group, got to vet them. You got yeah. to be worthy of us. Yeah, they, they've they've got to impress me. <laughs> uh, it's like uh, you know when the jesters kind of they, they have to perform in front of the king. That's basically what it is. That's how we let them in. The king, you're so British, Rue. Oh, it 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 may the be president. because I just watched it, but uh, Rue kind of describing his situation. Rue reminds me like the the night crew at Chernobyl, and I feel like everything's gonna go wrong. Like when Rue's just sitting there looking after it by himself, he's just sitting in the, the fucking place on fire. Did you guys see Chernobyl? Yeah, yet? I saw it all. I reviewed it, dude. Yeah, yeah. that's what that's what that's what I'm picturing. Oh, I didn't I didn't I didn't catch that episode. Mm. Yeah, did you did you want to plug uh, your other show or? Uh, I guess. I mean, so for what it sounds like, we're looking to be syndicated on uh, on a production studio that I work with called Area Twenty Two Productions. Where uh, me, uh, me, Laura, and uh, CEO Mark Mendoza from Twisted Sister uh, are—we basically start up the studio and we're making compelling content. A lot of shows on there. 
Uh, I do a show on there called The Jump Cut with uh, Nigel Fullerton where we review pop culture. So that's pretty much the extent of it. If you want to geek out with us, then, you know, tune into that. We just did an episode about Stranger Things spoiler talk. And I'm sure a new episode is going to be out by the time anyone potentially hears this. So, yeah. But Happy anyway. Days. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, with, with the... With the introductions out of the way, uh, I guess maybe we should talk about uh, how how we came upon the band, like who, like what it, what it means to you, or where you came from, music music wise, how you ended up here, and yeah, I, I guess let, let's start with uh, Steve. If you want to start us, I want to start with me. Okay, um, I had a I, I kind of I grew up weird, uh, so I make metal music in my spare time. I also do like some bluesy stuff, but like. Growing up, I always had this infatuation with metal. Like, one of the first albums I've ever heard in my life was... Uh, for, I started off with American Idiot, then I went to City of Evil and Waking the Fallen by Avenged Sevenfold. And from there, I went to a downward spiral. And, like, for most of my life, I listened to pretty much exclusively metal. And then one day, I was playing Saints Row the Third, and I heard this wacky song and caught a venom on there. And I'm like, yo, this is insane. This is, like... It's ska, but it's, like, proggy. You know? And I'm like, I'm not unaccustomed to lengthier songs i listened to like tool in between the barrett and me and stuff but just like when i discovered that soundtrack of uh, saints for the third which doesn't get enough like rep because that soundtrack is amazing i discovered the band and then like one day in college i uh i was like looking for new music and i remember just really liking the sound of that one song and i just decided to listen to all of act three fell absolutely in love went back to act two fell in love with that act one same there listened to the color spectrum Went to Act 4, I was really unimpressed. Went back to the color spectrum in Act 3. Then I listened to Act 4 later on. I felt more in love with it, especially Act 5 when I heard the revival. And uh, from then on, it just was a downward spiral. So I went straight from metal to the deer hunter, and it opened up my taste to so many other genres of music, like Manchester Orchestra and like the Family Crest and just so many other bands that the group introduced me to. Amazing. I'm going to have to ask Craig to boot you from the chat for saying that you were unimpressed with Act 4, because that, that's the most blasphemous statement I've ever heard. Because one thing that always turned me off from like a lot of the indie-style music was the overly pro- produced sound of it, and like a lot of the gang vocals in the background and everything. It, just, it, it always just kind of made me cringe. But then when I listened to Act 4, what mainly kind of made a stick for me, Act 4 and 5, because that was like a bundle for me, what made them stick for me was like the um, I really liked the orchestration of it, how organic it sounded but um hearing tracks like when i listen to migrant for the first time when i heard whisper i'm just like no uh-uh way too poppy for me way too over the top and i kind of had to readjust my tastes a bit since i started getting into them but i just i loved their like more darker grittier sound so then going over to like the heavily major progression of act four really didn't do it for me act five really did it for me when i heard tracks like mr usher and i heard tracks like uh and i heard tracks like uh what's it called the revival throwing me back to like the pimp and the priest and he said he had a story i love that loungy swingy sound and then when i was able to pick how it was existed in other songs and discographies what kind of when i fell back in love with it but this happened over the course of like maybe a so year were, and a half you were a bit of a late comer to the the music then so you got to you were a bit late coming to like the music like you didn't discover it until most of the stuff was already out I guess like with with act four and act five how you how you really got kind of caught up in it well when I when I first started when I, when I first started getting to the band I discovered that my act three like came out like that's when I knew who they were and my brother was really big on the receiving end of sirens in fact whenever I mentioned the deer hunter he's like you should check out the receiving end of sirens and I'm like I just know this one song by this band dude just just let me let me enjoy this for a bit and then and then I didn't discover the receiving end of sirens until like almost a year ago like well, I knew who they were, but I never listened to um, "Between the Heart and the Synapse," and what a record! Oh my god, that is that's something. But yeah, I I actually haven't done much of a, a deep dive. I haven't done much of a deep dive into the receiving end of sirens yet. I'm almost afraid to because uh, I, I think I know you should listen so to "Between the Heart and Synapse." In a lot of ways, drastically different. Mm. It, I have, I've started to a few it's times really and I just, for some reason got busy or lost interest. Yeah, yeah it's a, I, it, I definitely was, should really jump into it. It was quite difficult for me to get into it as well. Like See, when I was it, listening to the receiving end of sirens, it was uh, it, it just wasn't the same flavor of uh, of Casey that I'm kind of used to 
to getting from him. He he has changed a lot since since those days. But I guess the reason I was accustomed to it is because I grew up with that stuff. Uh, say that again. The reason I was accustomed with that stuff is because I, I kind of grew up with that harder sounds. So I think I think mm. honestly, my theory is that depending whether or not you prefer Act Four or Act Five is depending where you discovered the Deer Hunter. Like you discovered them Acts One and Two, you're probably going to prefer Four. You discovered them with Act Three, you're probably going to prefer Five. And I feel like that what you're drawn to with the deer hunters heavily inspired on your musical taste beforehand. Since I started with like heavier genres, you know, with guys screaming in my ear, like odd project and stuff like that. I was more accustomed to act three. Cause I like the grit. It, the act three is a record that could show me you can be really heavy without screaming at all. You know, just the raw motion. Hmm. And I, I, d- I don't necessarily agree just cause I, I come from a similar kind of musical background. Like my interests, uh, I was very, very metal oriented for, I mean, up until I was probably about 20, 21 years old, and I started listening to other stuff. So it was pretty much exclusively metal. And I, I would say the the thing that really, really caught me with The Deer Hunter was was Act 4 and a lot of the, the poppier stuff. I mean, by that point, my music taste developed a little bit. But Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though. Act you didn't three, jump I in think, straight uh, from metal, you know? Yeah, I mean, there was, there was a little bit of a buffer. Actually, I found them with... Uh, uh, Migrants and the Color Spectrum because I saw them open for Coheed and Cambria back in 2012. Oh, that must have been a show. And I, um, they, yeah, it was it was great. It was three the Deer Hunter and uh, Coheed and Cambria, which are you know three of my favorite bands today. And um, I remember I was I was interested in their set. They played mostly Color Spectrum stuff, so you know just stylistically I didn't really get you know everything they have to offer. So I uh, I went home and I bought the Color Spectrum and Migrants and. They kind of sat on my computer for about a year, and then I popped a messy player one day and just kind of listened to them over and over again. So for like a year, two years, all I listened to was the Color Spectrum and Migrant. Um, and then right when Act Four came out is when I huh. listened to the single from Act Four, and I was like, okay, this is. This. So I had never even listened to the Acts before Act Four. Wow, which That's I, I, cool. I I don't know how I missed out on it. Because I, I was so re- I was really really into the color spectrum of migrants and I have no idea why I didn't look at their other stuff but I didn't hear any of the acts until I heard all of Act Four and then I kind of went back and just listened to them all and then you know with with Act Five was my first like release being a huge fan yeah huh. that's quite that's quite interesting because yeah I'm quite similar in terms of like the order in that I started dis- discovering. The whole discography like i started off with with migrant uh i think the song the first song i ever heard was probably shouting at the rain uh and i think i'm still not fond of that song i don't was, know why it's like my one of my least favorites on migrant i, I don't know i think uh, i think for me because it it kick-started just a, an entire just kind of obsession with an entire discography of music i think it it has a special place uh, in my heart, but I, I, I could see, I, I could understand the criticism some people have to say about it. But I think Migrant's a really good record. I, Hunter put it best. He said it's simultaneously their best and worst record. Yeah, it, it's just a, it's the flavor. It's the flavor of it. Like it's it's something it's something you can't get anywhere else. Like there there are other Deer Hunter albums that you can get bits and pieces of like all the albums in there, not just from reprises and stuff, but just kind of like sound. But Migrant is its own thing. Like it's you know, it may not stand up to the axe super well, but it's something you can't get anywhere else within the discography. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, what I find it really interesting about it, though, is because it is like their color before the sun. It's so really, it's just really like heartfelt. You know, this is how I actually feel without guising my ex girlfriend as a prostitute. You know, and, and for those who don't know, the the color before the sun is a Co- Coheed and Cambria record. What's up? Not everyone know, not everyone knows the color before the sun. Oh, is. that's right. Yeah, so that, yeah, that's, that's a Coheed and Cambria record, record that was similar. Well, we can argue about that some other time, but similarly marred and kind of uh you know being very uh, liked or hated by the fans because it's very deeply personal record so it has a lot of similarities with migrant it's also mm. uh it's also up there with no world for tomorrow but i digress uh i really think that oh, migrant man. has some really special moments on it 
Like I think uh, I think Girl and Shame are some of my favorite tracks I've ever heard Casey do. Like yeah. Girl is just so raw and full of energy. And when I listen to like um and when I just go through it, I remember when when I hear people say that they hate sweet naivety, I think there's something wrong with them because that song is gorgeous. Yeah, that is a beautiful song. It and it's, there's something just so raw about how how unorthodox a lot of the production is. Like the piano, for example, is just squeaky as hell. Uh, kind yeah. of with the foot pedal constantly, uh, like depressing, and and it. But I love it. It it gives it that that rawness and that that kind of flavor that that just defines migrants so well and you see it all over the record yeah that that rawness yeah i think that rawness is really what what pulls me to like his his vocal melodies i mean he does a lot of like reaching in the sound like just some of his vocal lines in this album are, i would say go up against the best vocal lines from the axe i mean the 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 vocals and the the piano really are the the highlights of the whole thing and that's mm-hmm. kind of what breaks me about the deer hunter too is like I, I i always found it really interesting how casey puts like his guitars in the background of everything just kind of holding everything together but i also really love like what i can't stand about pop is like you have some vo- and this isn't like for all like artists obviously in pop but a lot of like mainstream radio pop is like you have some phenomenal vocalists who go through pitch who go through like pitch correction and auto-tune anyway just because it needs to be perfect for the fans to hear you know like I think there's beauty in being slightly off of a note, you know, because that's the passion and the rawness and like Casey gets it perfectly with when he records things like Act 4 or things like um or Migrant. And with Migrant, I remember him saying that he doesn't use any uh pitch correction on there. I don't think he uses it at all. I never really hear it, but I always find that really interesting how on there he was so focused on getting that raw, you know, sound to it. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what draws me to it. I I think I remember as well hearing or, or reading in, in an interview or some kind of uh, uh, kind of event where Casey was answering questions, uh, apparently with the recording of Migrant, uh, where he was running out of studio time, the uh, a lot of the voc- the vocal uh, recordings and stems are, were all quite rushed. Uh, he he didn't take the time that he normally would uh, when recording vocals. I think that's quite interesting. Dude, recording vocals is so hard, man. Like, I, I don't have a lot of time to do it, but when I record vocals, granted, I'm not singing. I'm, like, I'm using a little bit more power when screaming, even though Casey uses a, a lot of fucking power. But, like, when I'm recording, I usually dedicate a full day for it, and I'm going for, like, seven, eight hours for just one song. Like, recording vocals, it takes a lot more than people think, and sometimes you just need to give yourself yourself a week for your voice to go back to where it was to do it again. So that's why yeah. I kind of go for it weekly. So like Casey's scrunching all that in just like from a vocal perspective is insane. Especially since I hear a mm-hmm. lot of people in the group say they can't sing straight through all the acts. Which I kind of think it's might be just bad form, but like the way Casey goes about it is insanity. Especially since from what I heard, he doesn't know, he didn't know much theory starting. Like when he composed the orchestras, he was more like, Hey, I'm just going to sing you this melody for this instrument and play it. And you play it. Yeah, I, th- you know? I think when he, when he talks about like, yeah. his background of, you know, his his parents were musicians. And he was kind of raised around music. I, I think he probably just has this this musical brain, even if he never learned how to put it to notation and stuff like that. I think he can now, if I remember correctly. Like, so some of the interviews are, he hasn't done them in several years, at least since Act 5 came out. So some of the information is out of date. But I, I think at, a, at one point, all he did was, like, sing certain lines and tell people what to play, which is particularly impressive just given the the scope of the instrumentation it's kind of like i don't want to put him on a pedestal like that but it kind of reminds me a bit of um i think it was tchaikovsky where when he was a kid he heard um he heard full symphonies and orchestras in his head and i don't know if like that's the way that casey heard the music when he started composing everything but i find it really interesting with the way he put it all, put it all together and just kind of had the guitar to ground everything and his vocals were just the melodies that carried a lot of stuff and then he used violins and like cellos and oboes to uh reprise reprise it for like further uh further albums and give you that melody back it's just that's what i find so interesting is that it's a story being told over five acts and the way he re- he tells it is just a classical style like a classical rock opera yeah i, th- I think when he, when he talks about like his background of you know his his parents were musicians and he was kind of raised around music i, I think he probably just has this this musical brain, even if he never learned how to put it to notation and stuff like that. I think he can now, 
if I remember correctly. Like so some of the interviews are, he hasn't done them in several years, at least since Act Five came out. So some of the information is out of date. But I, I think at a, at one point, all he did was like sing certain lines and tell people what to play, which is particularly impressive, just given the the scope of the instrumentation. Yeah, and and you can really, you can really hear just how his music, his his musicianship just develops. Uh, you know, the biggest jump being from Act Three to Four. I think it was such a a fresh sound that I don't know. It it just amazes me still. Just listening to those albums back to back. There's just such a it's just such a, a new sound that I guess fans wouldn't have been prepared to hear, but it still sounded amazing. I, I don't, I don't think, I don't even know if I call it a jump from Act Three to Act Four because Act Three just went for a different style. Like I remember me and you were talking in the uh, admin chat, and you said that you thought the drums were clipping, and I'm just like, nah, man, that's just like metal style drums. They're really, really compressed. I think I think that he used he really really crushed those drums. It's not like clipping, but it's just really he wanted that intensity of a war, you know. Yeah. And and Act Four is like after war, you know, when he's kind of exploring Europe. He's like he's no longer you know that naive person. He killed his dad already. He's impersonating someone else, and now he's just kind of living that lifestyle, running for mayor. So it doesn't need to be that big bombasticity. Yeah, this is interesting. You say that now. I never really considered the. Uh how the production styles kind of relate to you know the point in the story i mean like i i don't know if it was intentional but i think casey might have also been a dark point in his life but like there's a reason why mustard gas starts up screaming here they are and then you have yeah 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 i was thinking bombs of musicianship or like Mm. the tank the first time i heard the tank was insane because you're the dun 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 and it's like it's moving forward like the churning wheels of a tank you know even uh uh, the the first track on Act Three, uh, I, I don't know how you say it. it's in Corda Corda Venenum, Venenum, yeah. I mean, even even then, it's, it's even the simple things like the military drums, like the the marching roll on Dude, the snare, punches you in the face. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, oh my I God. think that's why I fell in love with it because it just it starts off balls to the wall. I think one of the the clearest like contrast What's up, Hunter? one of the clearest contrast between like production is like Act Four and Five because they were recorded pretty much the exact same time, and yet if, I mean if you listen to the records like not only is their production style different mm-hmm. like one's much, like Act Five is really dark and like it's it's soundscape, but just like the it, it just it sounds like they were recorded like years apart. So it's just I think it's because Act Five is mainly a uh, minor progression. I think that could be it. It's interesting because I, I, I think I think they sound sonically identical in terms of production style. I just think that Act Five, first of all, Casey has more of a grip on the composition of um, or orchestral arrangements, but like the, it sounds like to me that's just in a, what I, that's what drew me to. It. It's more of a minor progression where Act Four is more of an upbeat major progression. You know, like the Disney fans are going to want Act Four instead of Five. Yeah, I, I mean it, it's interesting because despite how they kind of seem like polar opposites but they do complement each other like i think you said earlier on they they come as a as a bundle and they uh, flow right into each other which is insane yeah like if you listen to them one after another because there is a point in my life where i listened to all their albums in chronological order and like the order of what made sense like story-wise and legitimately all the acts flow into each other seamlessly it's just one giant song there's a point yeah. where someone said to me like I never distinguished the fire's gone and flame remains like as two different tracks because I just was so used to listening to the entire album straight through that was just one big song, and I'm like that with so many records, but especially the Deer Hunter. I feel like that if you listen to their music with just cherry picking songs, you're not going to get a good experience. Hmm. And I, I think in yeah. some ways that's that's how they've. I think in some ways that's how they've kind of skirted mainstream appeal is because, I mean, they have all these songs that could easily be taken to be, like, pop hits, you know, like Waves, uh, a lot of things off Act 4, some migrant stuff, but, like, the, just the way King that of Swords reversed. With, King of King of Swords, uh, but the way they fit in with the record as a whole, I think, like you said, you kind of need to hear everything together to fully get it. So I think it's kind of held them back a little bit from this mainstream appeal. 
that well, like it also kind of gains mainstream appeal because I, I notice that I see a lot of just kind of what what me and Mark refer to the uh, what we refer to the general audiences is as the cream cheese, like the the typical people who are going to be buy, who are going to be like just walking around like the normal person you see on the street listening to the top one hundred. That's like the cream cheese, the mainstream audience, and um, the cream cheese I notice are looking more into. Uh, they're more interested now as they hear songs flow into each other, how that can be beautiful instead of having a standalone, like three minute songs. A lot of them don't buy full albums, but like when I listen to act four, like that's one of my, uh, one of the albums I listen to when going in the shower. And, uh, I tend to just want to listen to act the bittersweet four and five. And, uh, but when I start there, it goes from bittersweet four and five straight down to Ouroboros. I just can't stop it. And then I have to go right into act five. Same thing with like all is, is all should be. It's a non-conceptual, record in terms of a cohesive theme aside from you know being written with it by the fans but still i can't just like stop at the right wrong or blame paradise i gotta go straight through yeah yeah i i used to make the grave mistake of listening uh to the deer hunter on shuffle that's more prog that, that's that's another level of prog yeah i, I was never quite ready for that <laughs> Like listening to uh, to Deer Hunter, I think there may be two or three songs that I don't like, and I wouldn't consider them bad songs. But I think they're one of those artists that just don't have a bad song in their discography, which is hard, really hard to say when you have like what eight albums, five, yeah. six. Oh, oh seven. yeah, and then you look at all look at all the EPs and stuff like that. Eight albums plus the fucking EPs. Yeah, I mean I have over two hundred songs right now that I'm scrolling through on my computer from the deer hunter including their cover of rapid calm which oh my god dear lord have you have you guys you guys have heard that right yeah i've heard it although i'm not a huge between the buried and me fan so i didn't really get to experience it in the same context everyone else did if you listen to the original rapid calm the last minute and a half of it is like pure insanity like he's when he's like one last curse and you hear just shredding guitars over it and just like a really wacky like wah influenced solo sounds like it'd be metallica style and then uh, what the deer hunter opted for is they're like, hey, let's just slow it down. Instead of speeding it up, let's slow it down. Because I expected Casey to go full fucking like Smiling Swine remix or act or like orange style, just like insanity. And he just completely subverted my expectations. And I'm like, at first I was disappointed, but then I'm just like, man, there's beauty in this. Mm. It's kind of like, it's like the accepting defeat because the story of, um, of what was it? Coma Ecliptic by Between the Barry to Me is like a guy who's cr- trapped in a coma machine living through different scenarios like different dreams throughout each song and it's just kind of like it's kind of a dark album because you know spoiler alert he dies at the end and i love how casey just kind of took the somber approach with it like a new beginning you know or a beginning i'm sorry mm. yeah yeah i and then fucking between me, the Bear to me's take on the tank mm. kind of makes me want to go and listen to that between the buried me i mean i probably have listened to it before but um kind of knowing there's a story behind it and kind of seeing how Casey interpreted Rapid Calm. I think it'd be interesting to go hear that representation of it. I mean, you have Automata, which is basically the same kind of concept. You have a guy trapped in a dream machine and his dreams are being projected onto like a big screen and uh, people are viewing it. And with that album, it's just every song is basically a different dream. So it's kind of a similar concept, but it's not as dark as it ends. It's more along the lines of the guys just accepting you know people accepting what's happening instead of trying to like fight the machinery hmm. which is honest is interesting that's why i found it i found it so cool when i saw like the deer hunter between the bear and me doing the tour together and doing that split ep even though like a lot of the fans they don't have a big crossover but i'm like part of that crossover hmm. it's just like you have someone who's the deer hunter who's really kind of like focused on composition and easy more easygoing prog and then you have like between the bear and me who are just pure insanity where you gotta listen to an album like three times to fully understand what's going on i yeah i actually missed yeah. when i saw the deer hunter play with between the bear and me i actually missed the between the bears and me's entire set because uh like the backstage for that venue was like this almost a bunker downstairs and so i went down there and with uh with nick and gavin and we were just sitting there talking and i i missed everything because it was just completely quiet down there <laughs> But I, I, heard, I heard they put on a good show. I'd like to see them again, but it was just one of those situations where, you know, they want mm. they wanted to hang out, so I just went out and went down and hung out with them. Rue, have you have you caught? Have you what caught, did you guys you, think of? Uh, have you caught the band live yet, Rue? Say, say uh, that again. Sorry, Hunter. Have you caught the band live yet? I didn't. I mean, I, I know they haven't gone to the UK much. Uh, I saw them in 
it, it was the week before Act 4 was released. It was 2015, like beginning of September. Oh, that was a Comocliptic era tour. Uh, possibly. I don't know. They, they, yeah, that is. They released in 2015. Yeah, so... Um, a lot of singing yeah, then, well, less screaming. Yeah, I mean, it, it was their, their little UK headline tour. And they, I think that their support were just local acts. Uh, but I, I was, I, I was, um, I wasn't able to drive at this point. I was too young, um, and I had to, I had to leave like halfway during the set so I could get the train back to, back to my city. So that was, oof, yeah, that was, that was a big loss on my part. But the the the, the beginning of the show um, was just amazing. It's that only ch- that only chance you got to see them. I mean, it, it's not a lot of. Go ahead. I mean, they just went back to Europe, though. Yeah, but, but I just I just think that like, what, the fact that they played an eighteen minute track as an encore with an additional six minute track is insanity to me. Hmm. And that and I just remember like that show is just such a cool show. A lot of the fans didn't get along, but the missed opportunity that I wish they did is they went on stage together and performed each other's covers. That would have been great. And that, that I feel like was a missing opportunity. Well, I think, I think also those songs yeah. worked, worked better. I mean, what, what do you guys think of, uh, I think those songs worked better in like a studio context. I like think. I, I, I think the way they recorded mm. it probably wasn't very conducive to playing in the band. Cause the, the arrangement would have had to been tweaked and changed. I, just, I don't think they had time for it. I, I think it could have worked. I don't know. I think the fans would have gone crazy when that happened. Mm. Like when you hear uh, between the barrier and you just whip out the tank. I think people would have stayed for their set uh, too, because a lot of the fans just weren't tolerant to screaming. Like they just did not want to hear any screaming. And then like, yeah, between the barrier who are on this weird line, right? Like they released autom- automata too, which is very the deer hunter sounding. If you listen to like voice of trespass, but has screaming in it. And a lot of fans just kind of tune out as soon as that happens. And I, I feel like that this would have been a really good opportunity for people to kind of appreciate that other side of progressive rock and metal but they just kind of i don't think we're open to it i mean i could be wrong but that's just it kind of that's that seemed to really bug me because i remember that's when i became a mod in the group and just seeing all that hate and everyone just like getting each well, other's throats just the, really the got cultures to cultures at a show are different like between kind of more prog metal fans and more of you know the laid-back metal fans like just the the way they behave at shows and kind of the way they interact with each other is I mean there's kind of a stark contrast there so I think maybe they kind of saw it as oppositional because the between the buried and me people were a little bit more you know hyped and aggressive whereas deer hunter fans are a bit more chill and I mean reserved more so I, th- I think I mean I was like I was there as as both and like I was I was enjoyable I was enjoying just kind of jumping around to like the deer hunter and then when between the buried and me came on I hopped right in the pit and like a lot of people I saw were like that too but in New York I guess it's different in New York too New York is like it's a predominantly metal music scene like you go to almost any bar out here and you'll see a metal band playing that's kind of how it is and that's kind of why when someone says check out my band it means nothing out here because everyone's either like a solo rap artist or it's more along the lines of like hey listen to my shitty recorded metal band that I did on my phone you know hmm so it doesn't have as much con. It doesn't have as much weight, and like pe- people like like for example with you, Hunter, when you went to school, you said that like you were in like a, a marching band thing, and they judged and you judged other like uh, players. Yeah, like, we were really we were like strictly marching band. Take it. Like when you hear other like performers, you're yeah. Just, like, well, it's it's kind of ingrained in me because whenever we would listen to other people playing, we would kind of judge them to see how much better they were than us. So I'm kind of yeah. just used to whenever I hear a trumpet player, just kind of judging them in my mind. Yeah. So like. It's kind of like the same out here too. Like if like if you see a vocalist on stage, you know you have to do something really above and beyond to impress people, and it's just like it's really it's just such an interesting scene. When I go to like anywhere else in the world, when I travel with like work or whatever, I just see like the differing like dynamics. You know, like I think out by you guys, it's more like EDM focused, right? Well, Hunter's more indie, I think. But Rue, you have more EDM stuff going on by you. Yeah, I mean, that tends to be kind of. The, the scene especially in kind of like up up in bristol uh that that is just the scene it's edm and lots of kind of i don't know it, it, it's a very it's very uh i, 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 I don't want to get 
make it too political, but it's very left wing, like, and and there's a lot. It's very left wing here too. Yeah, th- there's lots of of politics in in the music and, uh, yeah. So it it's very kind of all new, and there's a lot of genres kind of crossing over at the moment in in Bristol in particular, and it's it's all very exciting. And I got to give Casey props for that because like he doesn't bring politics into his music. And that's kind of when I go to music, I don't really go for political statements unless I'm listening to like Rage Against the Machine. Obviously, that's kind of what they're built upon. But like the deer hunter and such, when they don't like go into politics, it lets me have that escape, you know, and that's what I want from music. Well, maybe not necessarily politics, but he I mean, there's there's clearly something resembling it, like an admonishment with uh, organized religion. I mean, that's that's a huge. There's undertones, but there, but like you know, it's if it's more metaphorical, I'm fine with that as long as it's not him just kind of going outright and blatant with like a lot of artists do. I guess I I wouldn't characterize as undertones. I I think it's pretty overt, not only in like the representation of like the the priest being corrupt, but also in um, you know some of the songs Hunter has within his own mind, kind of contemplating his his beliefs. Uh, I I think it's like one of the central themes of the the story is kind of a a critique of religion, maybe not so directly but it's definitely there because yeah, like regardless I, of like if, if someone goes towards or against my political perspectives it's just something that like i don't want to i don't want to hear you know if, if it's in music it's just i'd rather hear hear like artistic visions like i'm more infatuated with telling stories with my music than i kind of am with like trying to make a political statement i mean i, I think it would be more acceptable if 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 you established yourself as a band that makes political, you know, commentaries, like Rage Against the Machine, yeah, like if if that's part of, like your your image, like as an artist, then I think that's okay. I think the main issue comes from when that that's not what you do, and it's kind of like you're hopping on a bandwagon to, yeah, to kind of to to get in on that, and it it it, it can be tiresome. Ugh. But anyway, fucking back back to the deer hunter. Um, you guys all fucking it's really interesting how we all discover them like in different styles. Like Rue, how'd you first I don't think you mentioned, but how'd you first like hear a song from them? Um, so I I was I was in a band when I was I was quite young. I I was just jamming with some friends. Uh and it was one of my friends, basically, who recommended them to me. It was around the time that the colour spectrum came out. And initially, I, I, I didn't, I didn't give them the time of day. Really, I, I um, I don't think I even listened. It was kind of one of those things that were like, oh, you should check this out, and you know, you kind of forget about it and, and go on about your day. Yeah. But maybe a few year, a couple of years later, or I think it was around twenty fourteen. Um. Just randomly, I, I was just in a mood for listening to something new. I, I remembered something about this this band that did something about the color spectrum, where every every like song is about a different color and yeah. it's all a different genre. And I thought, you know, that sounds pretty cool. So I just searched in the color spectrum album. Nothing came up because I I put a U in the title in the word color. Yeah. So after spelling it wrong, uh, the <laughs> Deontay came up. You're damn and, right, you uh, spelled it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> no, after correcting myself by spelling it wrong, yeah. then spelling it correctly, you gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, do you know? Do you um, know why it's spelled out of you? Because it's not all about you, Rue. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the U out of your name. It's just gonna be Rebin. Rebin. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Rebin. <laughs> okay, uh, but yeah. So you you just so you just listen to it straight through. Uh, well, I didn't listen to the colors bedroom. I just wanted to know what the band was called. Oh, gotcha. Uh, so the, then I I searched in uh, the Deer Hunter uh, on YouTube, and I think "Shouting at the Rain" at the time was uh, it was the top suggestion. So, oh, that's pretty cool. I always find it really interesting because, like, I, I made a couple of posts like this in the group, and, like, I always find it super fucking cool hearing all the different directions the fans come from, you know? Like, 
it's really yeah. shocking to me how many people found out about the band like me from Saints Row, like a video game. Considering like at the time when I really started delving into Act uh, Act Three, I was um I was listening to this band called Ice Nine Kills. They just released their album called um, Every Trick in the Book, where every song was like about a different piece of literature. Like they did one for The Shining, they did one for um, The Exorcist, for the for Animals by uh, George not George Orwell, was it George Orwell? No, who wrote Animal uh, Farm? No, that was that was Orwell. It was it Orwell. Yeah. Yeah. Then they did one for Animal Farm, and they did one for um, for the Diary of Anne Frank, just all those kinds of stories. So it was like, but it's a really kind of like aggressive sound. And then when I went to Act Three, which also had an aggressive sound, but in a different way, it just worked for me. I don't know. It was just something that I kind of was looking for in the moment, and I got it. And like, I, ever since I think when I first heard Panic at the Disco's "A Fever You Can't Sweat Out" with that really loungy vaudeville style music, I just kind yeah. of became so infatuated with that sound, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I was the same, like, uh, shortly after hearing Shouting at the Rain, um, I just by chance started listening to a lot of the songs from from Violet, I think. Uh, it yeah. was Lillian. Lillian was my next song. Oh, that's a cool song. Um, and yeah, I, I just fell in love with that, like the whole theatrical thing. I'd, I'd never really heard it in, a, in, in that kind of context before, like outside of of musical theater or, or or whatever it was it was all really interesting and new to me at the time so yeah i, I was I find, all over it I, I i find i remember when i first heard mr malum because that's the opening i listened to the entire uh, color spectrum straight through and uh when i first heard mr malum and i heard casey belting his heart out i'm just it was incredible to me it, it actually affected me so much i changed my uh my instagram name at the time to mr malum because mm. like it's just such it's just such a powerful song and like regardless of uh, uh, to be fair the um, perp, or violet is like the most act three sounding of the colors yeah so like that's kind of why i fell in love with it too but just like the sound of it man just that rawness and that energy is something that like i was kind of missing from the deer hunter and like i hear them bring it back like when they did like the right wrong and blind paradise where those are really kind of aggressive songs I, I really but also I like the dichotomy that exists in the band it kind of Casey was able to do something where he's able to say hey you know what? you can listen to all these genres and while I'm not fond of still like country for example I think the way he did green and yellow was really interesting and it was a way that I could palette and enjoy it yeah yeah I, I do know. agree it, it's yeah I, I just I'm amazed every time I don't listen to the color spectrum start to finish that often, uh, but when I do, it's it's just such a a treat. I just love it. All right, let's see. Uh, I want to try and get Hunter is currently going on and off the connection, um, so I'm seeing what's going on with him. He's uh, he's shooting me some text messages, but yeah, I, I just like. That, I guess that's kind of where it really comes to is like it's what the band kind of means to you and like have they really op- have they opened you up to any other artists since then like have you found any any bands through discovery of the deer hunter or through the group or anything that really kind of made you um that made you just kind of look at I guess the genres that they're approaching differently like whether it be progressive rock or anything because I know you listen to muse before the deer hunter and they're kind of progressive yeah so to to be honest, I'd, I'd never really listened to anything like them, but before yeah. before I had them, like I I used to listen to, uh, like my my childhood band really, what is a British, kind of piano, you can't even call them piano rock to be honest, because they take it more on a pop direction these days, but it was a band okay. called Keen, oh. And I don't know, like that, that's kind of what got me into playing music, I think, uh, kind of playing keys and stuff. Like, I was really inspired by that. Um, but I remember kind of seeing some kind of w- weird relation or connection in terms of uh, the, the kind of songwriting style and um, Kind kind of like it, even like the vocal range and stuff. I mean, Casey's voice is a lot more powerful than uh, the the lead singer of 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 Keen, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's quite strange how I I went from 
one style to to such a drastically different one yeah that's that's like that's just really cool i don't know that's that's so hunter uh what kind of bands did the deer hunter open up for you stylistically to move onto uh onto other artists or you might have discovered through the group or whatever means I uh I, I think a lot of my my tastes have switched to like uh indie folk kind of stuff since uh, the deer hunter. I think I, I prefer a lot of elements and kind of the the over the top instrumentation. So like a, a lot of artists like uh, Father John Misty, um Aaron West and Aaron West in the Roaring 20s, um Neutral Milk Hotel, just some things that are really good on the song. Oh, Neutral Milk Hotel. Mm. Yeah, so really really great on the songwriting aspect. I, I think it's just kind of opened me up to a new world of, of songwriting in general because their songs do have so much thought put into them that it's almost hard to listen to like a paint-by-numbers kind of by-the-book song anymore. So I kind of got to listen to something a little more, I don't know, just well-developed. And a lot of like indie folk music is really doing that for me these days. See, I find that really interesting because the direction I went, like I started, I got into Baragos from The Deer Hunter. I got into uh, the family caress when actually what was the track after beneath the brine it was um where is it the family caressed good thing I have my music library right here uh the world when I first heard that song it was like it was a bit over the top for me again like with that indie sound but I kind of grew accustomed to it and uh and then also what is it called um a black mouth to the surface from uh from yeah, Manchester Orchestra one. It opened me up to that too. I remember I was looking for a band similar to the Deer Hunter, and they don't really exist too much. But I discovered mm-hmm. uh, Manchester Orchestra, and I listened. I first listened to um, to Simple Math, and then I yeah. listened to all of that album straight through. And I just I did not realize until after listening to them, like, hey, this guy Andy is straight is on the the Red EP. Yeah, once you learn his voice, it's kind of hard yeah. to to tell it apart. Like first time I listened to it was before I listened to Manchester Orchestra too. And I, I almost thought it was like Casey doing a voice. I was like, what is he doing here? This is a little strange. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was kind of fucking around with his voice. Like before I knew Gavin was singing on the haves have not, I thought it was just Casey changing his modulation, like in his voice, like this mix. So he can, uh, so he could sound like he's bantering with himself. But when I learned it's Kevin, I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Not Kevin. Gavin. Same thing is, uh, on on the the color spectrum in general, there's a lot of or there's a few vocal artists. Um, the, who's the person on the blue EP? I think it's um, uh, Cameron, Cameron Cameron Thorne. Thorne. Yeah, and he, yeah, because he's on he's on yellow as well, isn't he? He's on. At least, uh, yeah, and, and he, he's Production, from uh, as tall as lions, right? Th- uh, no, he he's in a in another band. He's 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 in like a a kind of indie band because. Uh, yeah, because Casey produced them. I'm trying I to remember the name. In, uh, as tall as uh, Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. They, uh, yeah, they had a. They haven't. They have an album, but they have two albums now. But their their debut album thing was called Vamanos. I'm trying to. What does it sound like? Uh, it's kind of. Quite quite cheery kind of. So it's not blue EP sounding uh, uh, at all. Uh, no, it, it's quite. It's like a a four piece guitar rock band, uh, kind of Arctic Monkeys kind of thing. That kind of style. Cameron uh, Thorns. Trying to uh, think of their name. Naive Thieves. I, I know Hunter loves Arctic Monkeys. Yeah. Yeah, that's. The I one. totally knew that off the top of my head. Yeah. Didn't, I didn't have to Google it at all. <laughs> Look at you, Hunter, Jack of all trades. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean that's a good point to make. Actually, is just for me, like I've, I was never really exposed to the American scene like at all. I primarily like mainly listened to to British bands and artists, aside from like the the really big American artists. But we get it. You listen to Radiohead. <laughs> No, I, just, I think it's I think it's super cool because like um, there is like a divide that people don't really understand is like the Deer Hunter managed to cross over. I mean, they have a decent bit of fans in like the UK and Europe and as well as Australia even. Yeah. But, like I, I just find that super cool because like I do listen to both pretty much. I want to say equal parts. I think I listen to more American bands, but I also listen to bands like Haken or Muse, you know, some of those bigger bands that come from uh, come from England or just from Europe in general. Yeah. And I just, I always find that super interesting how um, the sounds are different too. Like Muse takes like British pop and brings it into a more rock and roll style, similar to kind of like Jeff Buckley to an extent. Hmm. 
like yeah. especially with origin of symmetry and i just find it's just super cool because like you get the different inspirations like it with my band I, first thing i noticed and i'm not trying to plug myself but like with um my guitarist he's french and he does a lot of the compositions and you could hear the different approach to it that's so refreshing opposed to like a lot of american compositions of like metal music and yeah. hearing that and hearing that like that dynamic I, that's why i find the deer hunter really cool how they approached over overseas to uh to you know different countries and are able to affect new fan bases and bring people from all over like musically and all over the world geographically together into this one style and it kind of breaks my heart when um when they have to pay like you know the fees to get the clothes and stuff like that you know with uh yeah the i know the uk has a lot of those customs yeah 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 but but even then though i think it's just like the fact that they have a fan base that willing to even pay that to get the merch or CDs or whatever is just really interesting to me, especially since like Casey's kind of doing this all like out of his house. Yeah, at, at the risk of sounding too much like a Rick and Morty fan here, like when you look at like the psychology of different cultures and like the, how they not only approach different concepts but things like music, which are a bit more abstract. Uh, I mean, there's you, you can really see like if you if you look culturally and geographically different type of music that comes out, like the different types of melody approaches that come out of it and harmonization and stuff like that and i, I think uh, I, I don't know what influences he's had early on in his musical life i'd love to ask him but uh, he he has a very robust yeah he has i know he has like a lot of british kind of prog pop influences like um um who is who is that cardiacs which cardiacs are just like insane kind of british prog pop i mean they're just I mean, that's what the Deer Hunter are. They they used to be prog rock, but now I consider them prog pop, because and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like it's really refreshing also in America when you have like uh, artists that bring that that different stylistic approach to things because it's not conventional for what we usually listen to. Like we usually we listen to like two 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 and a half minute songs usually on the radio, and hearing like hearing like overseas where it's used to being where they're used to building up more tension and have more room to express themselves. It kind of Having that dynamic just makes it super interesting for me, an American listener. I don't know if uh, if Rue, if you hear like American styles in their music as much as I hear British styles in theirs as well. Yeah. Do you, I, do you I notice mean, like the compositional differences? Uh, it, it's it's strange. Like I hear it more in in the production itself, in in terms of. Uh, it's, it's difficult. Like, it's it's kind of like like an accent. But in a more musical kind of, uh, in in a more musical way, it's like you can tell that it's probably not a local thing, uh, and you can tell that it's probably not from where you are. Just it's it's weird. You 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 can't quite put your finger on it, but that there is That's something cool. something quite different, and I can kind of tell. Um, I mean, maybe it's just listening to the accents of singers, but that that's not well, always a the lot case. of a lot of British a lot of British vocalists don't have an accent like from the UK when they sing like Matt Bellamy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So I, I don't even think it's that. I, I just think there's just something about either the production or the arrangement or just the. the I, the, I think the it's the whole. arrangement because like when with Haken with their newest album Vector, it was produced by Adam Nally Getgood of uh, Periphery, and Periphery is an American progressive metal band. Yeah. And um, the production of that is incredible production, but it like has more of what I'm used to. Like America, I don't know if it's like that in the UK too. I don't know if you listen to any uh, British metal artists or hard rock, but like in America, it's like about that really meaty bass guitar, really meaty like kick drum and like just drums in general with the guitars having an aggressive tone to it. And yeah. um, but the composition still doesn't feel native to me, you know. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what do you what do you think, uh, Hunter? Do you hear kind of that uh, that foreign influence? I, I can't say I'm super familiar with uh, foreign types of music, especially because most of my musical background is is things like um, uh, thrash metal. I mean, I know that's kind of heavily based on like new wave of British heavy metal, but um, a, a lot of it's very Americanized, like a lot of blues, a lot of thrash metal, heavy metal, a lot of things that kind of were popularized in the United States. So I don't really have much of a a worldly ear when it comes to to stuff like that although i do i think i can reasonably recognize like different um you know types of scales and modes and stuff that are associated with certain parts of the world um 
But I, I can just hear something within the Deer Hunter that I wouldn't typically hear within like even progressive music here in the United States. Like it's just it's it's a different approach to, to songwriting in general. Well, I noticed also, I don't know if you guys picked this up too, but it sounds to me like Casey writes his vocal melodies like on a guitar, like the way he ascends and descends notes and everything. I I find um, it's very similar to as if you would like focus your attention on playing a guitar. I think I don't know. That's that, that's it's interesting because I, I I'm pretty sure like from what Casey has said before that he writes his songs on piano primarily at at a piano. Yeah, yeah. that's what I've heard too. Like when I hear the most cursed of hands, it, it kind of sounds to me like uh, it, it sounds to me like he he kind of the way he does his uh, vocal melodies. It, like there's some parts where it just sounds like a hammer on on a guitar. And like same thing with the the right wrong. Like the right wrong makes a lot of sense, like on a guitar neck. But uh, like yeah. I watched Rue playing on the piano the other day, and it seems a little like uh, out yeah, there. Yeah, it's it's, a, it's an awkward one to play. Yeah, but on but on a, well, on a, a guitar it's neck, very it's very percussive pretty, too. That song. Yeah, on a guitar neck, the notes are pretty close together. They're pretty easy to hit. So I'm thinking that's another song that he kind of wrote. So maybe it just depends on the song. He just sometimes writes them on piano if it's a little bit more melodic. Sometimes he writes them on guitar if it's a bit more like driven. Oh, maybe. But, guys, could you believe that we're, uh, we're nearing the end of this? It's flown by. Yeah, we, we were... Uh, so, we have about five minutes left, so um, Epis- I guess it's time for wrap-up. Yeah, episode zero. Episode zero. So, uh, I guess let's start off with this. Uh, Hunter, uh, where can they find you? Where can they find the group? Uh, anything you want to share? Anything you want to plug? All that stuff? Any news you want to announce? I imagine most people listening to this are, are probably familiar with the group in general but uh the meaning of and all things regarding the deer hunter on facebook um i'm just a guy that pops up everywhere um, sometimes needlessly so i just insert myself all over the place so just follow me places uh follow me in the street i don't care just follow me uh where can they find you on social media if they want to reach out to you uh my name is hunter workman on on pretty much everything or mega Drury is my my screen names on uh reddit discord pretty much spell it out Pretty much anywhere. It's Megadrugi, M-E-G-A-D-R-O-O-G-I-E. So I'm, I'm sure people familiar with the, the other Deer Hunter forums, like um, the subreddit would be familiar with me too because I'm always popping in over there too. Yeah. I mean, that's that's where I first... Uh, I think I discovered them before the group. I, I don't remember. I think it was like alongside each other. And uh, But what about you, Rue? Anything you want to announce coming up? Any uh, Anything you want to plug? Uh nothing to plug nothing to announce but yeah you can find me on facebook uh i'm rue nottage r-e-u-n-o-t-t-a-g-e uh you know chat to me in the group uh i'll i'll reply to messages and, and have a chat with people always up for that but yeah and make sure you check out rue on youtube as well you did the uh the full reprises which i think is rather popular even outside the context of the group so I think a lot of people oh, probably yeah. recognize you from that. Yeah, that that was a that was a long night when I made that one. Man, that was a long video too. It was like an hour long, right? Uh, f- yeah, like forty-three minutes, I think. Yeah. So if anyone's familiar so, uh, with that, what's the name uh, of the video? Plug that. Uh, plug that shit. It is. It you. I think it's like the first result if you had to search up uh, the Deer Hunter reprises uh, on YouTube. Let's have a look. Okay. Which it, it will be... I think I think it's reprises, isn't it? It's, it's reprisals. It's pronounced reprise. Yeah, I learned that from Star Trek. Yeah. Re- reprise, reprise. I learned that from the attack. I I was I always pronounced it reprise because it seemed more organic, but it's not that at all. And I feel I felt dumb for doing that. Yeah. But well, uh, well, now I do. We'll we'll edit this part out. <laughs> yeah, I was I was watching the Star Trek production. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation and uh, Data was talking about uh, reprises and in, in music. So he's like, uh, particularly when you're talking about music, you call it a reprise. I was like, hang on a second. So I went to the group and asked about it, and apparently no one referred to it that way. So it's a little weird that in our head we say reprise, even though it's not because you read correct. it. It's a word that you yeah. read that and you don't say, even though the record's literally called Act Four: Rebirth and Reprise. So, and then you even got Casey saying reprise in in some of the albums, like uh, you know, reprise two times. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it could just be like an apples or oranges thing. Yeah, I guess it depends on what he's referring to in that song. He could be talking about just a reprise of events rather than musical sequences. I mean, I always refer to them as musical motifs. But yeah, anyway, uh, you guys could find me on Facebook at Steve May, like the month. 
uh, I spell name my name with a uh, with a V because I I like myself. And um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Drakentas underscore D R A K O N T A S underscore. And if you want to uh, go to the rest of Area 22, see other shows we have. We have uh, 22 Now with Mark Mendoza, where he does uh, interviews with some pretty big guests, like other members of Twisted Sister or other people influential in the industry. Uh, we have Tales from the Bottom of the Ocean, which is a uh, satirical take on philosophy starring Austin Austin Andrews and Mike Kempf. And uh, then you can also find my show, um, The Jump Cut, where we do review pop culture with uh, Nigel Fullerton and myself. Uh, but yeah, if there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about or you want an upcoming episode about, just let us know. Send us messages. We're always there. We're always there in the group. We, we're pretty aware of everything going on. And, uh, yeah, just let us know. We'll be glad to cover anything. And if anyone uh, ends up hearing all this, uh, we do have some interviews lined up coming uh, with for the first few episodes with uh, Nicholas Crescenzo, Case Crescenzo's brother. He was on a few of the ACT albums and, I believe, the cover. Yeah, everything but ACT 2. Um, and then we have uh, Gavin Castleton lined up. He was on uh, ACT 5 primarily and All Is All Should Be, but I think he did some work on ACT 4 as well. Uh, but he's become maybe I think he was like him and Nick Nick uh, S were like friends of the band for a while yeah like you can yeah. find Nick S in in the uh, credits on um, on the, the color, color spectrum, spectrum yeah. even though we didn't really do anything which uh, we, we are also in talks with uh, Nick Solicito and uh, Casey himself for, for doing some interviews too so you know keep an ear out for some of the interviews we have coming up and uh, hopefully we can come up with some fun stuff yeah so thanks everyone for tuning in uh this is the dear apparition podcast and we will see you guys soon